Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party, the only Iowa podcast that has less than a 1% chance of you listening through the entire hour-long episode. Sitting at my left, we have Gospel of Max, my co-editor. How are you doing tonight, Max? Uh, I have a beer and I'm watching this game on this beautiful TCU basketball court, so I'm doing fantastic. Heavily lubricated while watching Horned Frogs basketball, my kind of man. And on my other left, I got Harrison Starr, the Ken Palm Prince. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, but actually it's King now. I'm married, so... Oh, excuse me. My liege, my mistake. Please do not banish me to the pit of misery that is full of corn syrup-flavored beer. How long can we beat that dead horse of a joke? I don't know, but I am fired up, and I'm here to talk about Iowa basketball. Coming fresh off of a win, 80-79 over the hated, hated, just Northwestern Wildcats. I can see Harrison's dog is fired up about it just as much as I am. Boys. She is. is, Excuse me. How are we feeling about boys and lady? How are we feeling tonight? How are we feeling after that game? It's a win, Uh, Ben. Uh, And it was an awesome one in the way it went down, but it was not awesome in the previous 36 minutes. So, like, that's obviously the the Cliff Notes version. Um, but, man, like, it, it seems like we got a real guy in Jordan Bohannon. That's for sure. Yeah, um, it does certainly seem like Jordan Bohannon is maybe the clutchest player to ever put on an Iowa uniform. Um, I did not watch any of the game. I was trapped in Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport for hours upon hours, but... I did follow on Twitter, and I watched some highlights, and, you know, it looked like a terrible, awful game until about four minutes left, so I'm kind of glad that I did not have to endure the first 36 minutes of actual gameplay. Yep. As I mentioned earlier, there was one point where Northwestern had a 99.2% chance of winning that game, and you know what? They didn't win that game. My roommates wanted me to turn the game off. I wanted to turn the game off. I want to go do literally th- literally anything else besides watch Iowa basketball, but I'm a blogger, live free, blog hard, and I stuck with my Iowa Hawkeyes, kept on the Twitter machine, and boy, oh boy, was I there for some more Jordan Bohannon magic. Uh, uh, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Iowa was going to lose this, lose this game, even at half. Um, I didn't feel great, as nobody did, as I'm sure anyone who was watching the entire game. And it just felt like we had seen this movie over, we always say we've seen this movie before about Iowa sports when it comes to football or basketball or even wrestling for about the past five or six years since we haven't had a championship longer than that. Um, but it feels like Iowa sports is a little bit predictable. We're, uh, we're used to heartbreak. It's something that's in our DNA. It's in our blood. We're never happy. And we're always on the losing end of things like uh, we saw last night with Jordan Bohan's heroics. It's always Denzel Valentine or freaking Alex Hornibrook or Dan Persa or some other mediocre opponent that we see over and over again, just shoving a dagger into our backs and our eyes and our hearts. But no, last night we have the king. We have the kingmaker. We have Jordan Bohannon on our team. And he just has onions, and it feels good. I haven't seen an Iowa player do stuff like he's done ever in my short-lived uh, period of Iowa fandom. And I am just feel- walking two inches higher today knowing that um, we could have a guy like Jordan Bohannon leading the Iowa Hawkeyes in March. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. And really, like, watching the game last night, I, I just wanted to – see them make a run and like you you get down 15 minutes left no run you get down 10 minutes left no run and like eventually five minutes left obviously they make a run and I think the thing that was most exciting about it outside of you know that 
last second shot going in is how perfectly they played everything. They weren't afraid to foul. They weren't afraid to press and because obviously they had to press, but they also, the way they attacked offensively was just perfect. They took the threes when they had them, but they weren't afraid to go in and make the layups, both Wieskamp and Moss and even Bohan and all three of them were, were not afraid to take it in and get two instead of um, shooting for a more low percentage three, even though all three of those guys right now, they're, they're, they in Big Ten play are combined for over 45% shooting three-pointers. Like, the way Iowa's backcourt is clicking shooting-wise is really pretty remarkable. Um, and when you're feeling it like these guys are, one, it's nice to see them all come to play. Moss had his best game in a couple. Uh, Wieskamp continues to do Joe Wieskamp things. Uh, and Bohannon, you know, back-to-back games, he, he hits the exact same shot going to his right, kind of flicks it up from his... Uh, you know, from his hip, but perfect release at the top. Man, he's he really is unlike I think any Iowa basketball player I've seen. When you fold in what he did against Penn State, he had a great game against Nebraska earlier this year. Uh, the win against Wisconsin two years ago. Um, you know, I think it's time to maybe shelve all of the criticisms of him. Because when you have a guy who can really kind of erase a bad game in an instant, I like. I mean, this is who he's becoming. It's it's not just something he can do, which is what you need in March. Yeah, I mean, this against Northwestern, he didn't have a good game until what? I think he scored thirteen of his fifteen in like the final minute and a half or something like that. Something crazy, um, from what I was reading. And, you know, like, that's the, th- that's the kind of thing with him, too, is, you know, like, he's that kind of confident kind of player. And, you know, you could see it in his press conference, too, where he was saying, oh, before I even shot it, I knew I was going to make that. I have ice in my bl- uh, veins, you know, all sorts of, you know, these uber-confident, you know, sayings. And, you know, I believe in you, like, you know, you players say that all the time, but, like, you genuinely believe when he says it. If he was, go- if he was one for eight before that final minute and a half or whatever, you know, you could expect him to put it together and kind of figure it out you know like that's the player I still want shooting even if he's not on you know you can't maybe say the same about that of like you know maybe like Ryan Creener's had a rough couple games uh shooting the ball uh, Isaiah Moss went two straight games I think scoreless maybe he just went one of them scoreless but you know like when they're off you know they're off and they either just kind of clam up and don't shoot or you're like man like they just really look off today and Jordan Bohannon's one of those guys where like even if he's off I'm completely okay with him just kind of hoisting the rock up there and trying to do what he does. Yeah, I just want to talk, go back to what Harrison said. Like, yeah, he hit the exact same shot against Northwestern to seal it that he did against Indiana to, I think, either put us within three or tie it. Um, it was the exact same shot. And it's fun, It's so easy to say now, obviously, and as a keyboard warrior, but I tweeted um, when they were signing up that play after um, – uh, the guy kicked the ball out of McCaff- a bad pass from McCaffrey, for being honest. I said, you know, anything's possible with Jordan Bohannon. And, I mean, yeah, I, I, but I meant it. Like, as with the ball in his hands, like, absolutely anything going to happen. He's got – yeah, he, range is everywhere. He, his range is 50 feet from half court. And, um, like, I just – it was amazing to see. Like, I was just laughing. The whole My roommates, when he hit the shot, they asked me why I was laughing so hard. And it's just like, I wasn't surprised, it's just like, it's just funny. I don't know really how to describe it, because I've never really experienced it in sports, but it's like, uh, it, it was just felt so predictable. And But it's this incredible thing that nobody else in the world can do, really, ostensibly. And uh, All I, right. feel like, I feel like we're taking it for granted. It's just funny. It's so funny to think about. I don't know. Yeah, and it's definitely something like I think Iowa fans can take for granted of because people are still talking shit about him today, like no, on Twitter. Where? It's on, on Twitter? Twitter. You just find people oh that are like, God. "Oh man, he's not a true point guard." Blah blah blah. He can't make a layup, which he's. Uh, you could probably be a little bit better on the rim. But we're not going to talk about that right now. We're talking about Jordan Bohannon, the complete player, and like people are still like, "I don't know." Like, this dude's going to end his Iowa career, the top three-point shooter of all time. 
he's going to be near the top for assists. He's not, like, you know, he's on pace to get up there and that, too. So, all this, you know, he's not a true point guard bullshit. The one thing he's not very good at is just driving. And he's okay enough at it that, you know, he can keep defenses honest if they're trying to, uh, you know, bum rush him over on the three-point line. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a good player. He's he's great, and it's funny. Like I really, I'm not. I didn't want it, but like when I tweeted, you know, anything's possible with Bohan, and I don't. I'd want to old takes expose the people who said give it to Joe, or it's like they better hit Moss here, or I don't want Bohan touching the ball. Like I think we had three different people say they wanted a different player other than Bohan and taking the last shot. It's like what have you? What are you thinking? Like why? I guess I understand Wieskamp, maybe, but like it's not Jordan Bohannon. The the only player I think it's acceptable to say that about would have been Cook in the post. I want Cook to get the ball in the post, but at that point, like, yeah, Bohannon or Cook. If you want a three pointer yeah. for the yeah, win, you go Bohannon. Yeah, I was. I don't. I mean, it was just a a perfect set is really what it comes down to because both those guys really just need a centimeter of space for either Cook to get something in the post or Bohannon obviously to take the three. And I'm kind of thinking about um, some of the external takes that, that I've seen about this Iowa team right now. And really, one of them that, that really stuck out was on the athletics. Seth Davis went and got quotes from anonymous coaches to get unwarranted truths about teammate, or teams. And what they said about Iowa was that Luca Garza is arguably the most skilled big in the league. Yeah. All right, so he's got zero points. He's had a rough couple of games, and this is the guy that people think might be the best player, that coaches think is the best player on Iowa's team. Then the casual fan will probably say Cook. Wieskamp, I think, personally, is probably the best player that Iowa has all around. Um, Moss can do what he can, but the guy you want the ball in the hands of is Jordan Bohannon in these situations, and he went all of Indiana, just getting hounded on defense, and zero turnovers, six assists, two huge threes. He put some distance in in, in that game in halftime, and, and we don't need to uh, get into the Indiana analysis quite yet. But like, he's the guy who really can do stuff that we haven't necessarily seen happen, and, and I think that's really just that's just the the fun thing, especially because. You know, Iowa basketball's had some some okay stretches. They had, you know, uh, Gazelle's layup at, at UNC that was awesome. The Woodbury tip in, you know, they've <laughs> and then they had the the shot a couple years ago from Bohannon. But to see someone who's consistently able to do this, um, at least this season, I think there there's maybe some vibes where it can be like, okay, this is a team that can that can really do some things and it's going to come down to matchups i've said before it's going to come down to whether teams make shots or iowa misses shots i mean that's not fun analysis right but um i think what last night showed is that if iowa's got the ball with a chance to tire or um take the lead it's not a foregone conclusion anymore yeah we've Um, already spent sorry max no, go ahead. What were you going to say? We've already spent a good 13 minutes talking about Jordan Bohannon, but the big question I have circled on my notes here tonight, and I want to ask both of you this, and then we can kind of move on, is what do you think Jordan Bohannon's legacy will be? I mean, I think he, he's he got to be up there with, I don't know, if, I mean, I think maybe for people that are our age, we'll probably see him as like the Chris Kingsbury kind of player, you know? I mean, so what? I'm wow. 26 wow, wow, now. Wow. Well, I'm 26 now. What, Ben? You're about, what, 27? Uh, sure, why not? Why not? You know, we're all in our 20s. You know, I... But, like, you know, thinking about players from, you know, like, this, like, what might, we were probably going to see him, like, you know, like a Matt Gatons, you know, like somebody like that, like one of those players that we look back on from when we were, like, you know, younger, when we're, like, 50 or some shit like that. Where it's like, man, like... That guy was the top three-point shooter, like, at the school. Like, he had all these clutch shots, you know. Like, I just think that we're going to probably kind of see him, like, in that vein that, you know, older folks see those guys as. Yeah, I think his – he's already ha- – he already has a legacy right now. He's got the legacy of kind of the, the Chris, the Chris yeah, Street free throw. Um, he's got just 
Deadeye Shooter, so that's kind of the, the Kingsbury aspect. I think, though, like to truly elevate his legacy, it's going to come down to what he's able to, to do in March if he can lead this team to a Sweet 16 this year or next. Um, I, I think that, that he, he could be kind of the guy who took Iowa, maybe not necessarily to the quote-unquote next level, but he was the guy who elevated Iowa when it mattered most. And, and that was something that, like, Matt Gatons to me, he was someone who took Iowa out of the Licklider years and in, into kind of the, the current stasis. Um, we had really good times with uh, that, that senior class with um, Woodbury, Utah, Gazelle, Clemens. Um, they they yeah, were ones who, yeah. who were just they, – they had – that's kind of the thing though it's like they 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 have kind of a weird legacy because they never could do that but if Bohannon's able to kind of ha- get Iowa into the sweet 16 or do something weird in the Big 10 tournament good weird um then i think that's really where his legacy's made because it's probably a four conclusion he's going to end up as the leading three point shooter he's going to end up as probably the leading assist guy like he's an all-timer in that yeah. regard but it's going to come down to what he elevates Iowa to team-wise that sets his legacy. Yeah, I, I from you can go. I was going to say, and that's fair too, seeing as how you know this team had that one really awful year that I feel like people will remember for the next fifty years. <coughs> Who, uh, O'Hanning? You mean last year? Yeah, I just mean like last year. You know, like if that is a fair point that he needs to elevate. You know, to. Like that, maybe like this team needs to actually win something of consequence, you know, because they didn't do anything Jock's senior year, their freshman year, and then last year they had a terrible awful year. And I, you know, people, I feel like we'll remember that year until Iowa has another bad year, you know, five, ten, twenty years down the line. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think in order for Bohannon to be Bohannonized, canonized, whatever. Um, in Hawkeye lore, that he needs to be on a team that makes a run in the postseason, uh, either you know win a couple games at, at least week sixteen. Like nobody's, I don't. Unfortunately, for better or for worse, like I don't think anybody's remember Matt. Sorry, Harrison, but I don't think your kids are gonna know who Matt Gatins is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's gonna remember Jordan Bohannon, talk about him the way we're talking about Chris Kinsbury. Um, he's got to do something in the postseason. He's got to do something on a national stage. He's got to become a household name uh, in Louisville or, you know, places in other cities I can't think of that are where basketball is a big deal. Um, and it's just that's just the way things work, unfortunately. And I, I, I do think that's, you know, totally plausible the way this team is playing. And then he's obviously got next year, too, to um, do something in March. But I think, you know, the way we talk about Jordan totally hinges on not only the way he plays, unfortunately, for better or for worse, but more so on how Iowa as a whole does on a national stage, um, you know, come March, late, late in the season. Yeah, and I think, the I guess, the, the last thing, just kind of about Chris Kingsbury, my understanding is part of what fueled his legendary on-court status was his off-court antics. Like, this is a guy who as legend has it, maybe it's truth, but like partier, he would smoke cigarettes, things of that nature. I mean, Jordan Bohannon's really kind of as clean as they come. I don't know know if this is really inside information or anything, but like he, New Year's Eve, the last three or four years, if not longer, he's always gone and shot hoops at midnight. So like this has got, this is someone who really lives and breathes basketball, but um, I, I think it's something that is just, it, his legacy is really going to be defined in March um, because for now he hasn't really done anything that no one else has done yet. So uh, I, I think that's that's where it gets there. He does, other than the free throw, the free throw record. Yeah, good takes. Uh, any any other Bohannon thoughts before we move on? He's good. Please stop saying he's not good. All right, thank you. <laughs> Chris Collins, is he overrated? Yeah. But you know what? That means he's going to get canned at the end of the season by Northwestern, and by next fall, he's going to be the coach of the Chicago Bulls. So, 
incredible. And then he'll be the coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the cycle, ain't it? I don't know. Like, I mean, there's no denying he took them to uh, an NCAA tournament and also did something that Nebraska basketball has ever done is uh, uh, win an NCAA tournament game. So he'll always be properly rated for that. But mm. it's been a rough couple of years. Yeah, um, I was texting actually last night our good friend of the podcast, the Minnesota Wildcat, um, because I was in his city while I was in the hotel. And... Oh, what about, okay, yeah, it's his city, fine. Oh, I mean, he's, do you live in it? I don't know where MN Wildcat lives. Does he live in Minnesota? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I asked him, I was like, yeah, so... Uh, uh, how's this going? And he's just like, it's a complete and utter collapse. And then I asked him about Collins, and he said, fire, awful fire everyone. And so uh, he's like, he's missed badly on a few recru- recruits, has no point guard, and it's he's staring at another troubling recruiting cycle. It's not going to be good. That is a fair point, because, like, they really don't have a point guard. Yeah, like, like as much really as Iowa don't. fans like to say, we don't we have a point <laughs> guard, like, they don't have a point guard. Uh, what if Nebraska Northwestern traded coaches? Um, ne- Nebraska can, he can recruit, so okay. But he, I actually think if you gave Collins Nebraska's players, they would be like <clears throat> a lock NCAA tournament team, and I don't think let's you do can it. Say the same, sure. But my, <laughs> years, my uh, difference. Who is says that- no? My difference is that Northwestern's got the ins not like an inside inside, but they have a somewhat of an inside of Chicago. You give Tim Miles Chicago, and I don't even think he needs to coach. Oh, I'll buy that. Okay. I don't know, like I mean, because their their classes have been kind of built on transfers. That would be the the thing, That's I guess. I, I, does Northwestern really deal in the transfer game outside of five star quarterbacks? Did Did Nebraska? I mean, um, it's pretty easy really... to get into Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> this is fair. And it's for knowledge, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to more schadenfreude. Uh, Hoosiers, they're not doing great. Indiana, Archie Miller struggling his second year. Um, I was a huge fan of Archie. Once They've lost got... like 9 of 10, haven't they? They've lost 8 of 9. Yeah, same thing. It might be 9 of 10 now. Yeah, they've lost um, a lot of games in a row. I guess my roommate was an Indiana fan. Uh, They're kind of collapsing. And meanwhile, I was a big Arch Miller fan at the time. That's still kind of am. And I kind of like Tom Crean, too, when he was at Indiana. I bring this up uh, because Tom Crean is now at Georgia, which I am a uh, fan of on on the football side. I didn't really know they had a basketball team until Tom Crean got there. And uh, they they just signed the number five player in the country, a uh, shooting guard out of the state of Georgia. Um, what's that show for, I think, you know, Indiana, I think they're obviously, people are saying that they're wasting, uh, Romeo and, uh, Archie, the teams aren't really trending upwards, uh, and we just gave them the danger at home. Disassembly Hall, am I right? Can, can you Hall. say that, can you say that word for me one more time? They get, we, uh, what is the knife that you stick in somebody's back? Dagger. A dagger? Dagger. A dagger. Dagger. Huh. Oh, my okay. God. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, continue. Now's a story that I have to tell. Um, hey, I didn't it's know, just that you're, you're from Minnesota. I didn't, know I, had a, I didn't know Minnesotans had an accent until I lived on my dorm in Reno Hall freshman year. Yeah, neither so did my fiance. People would knock on my door and ask me to say the word bagel. Oh, yes. You put your bagels in a bag. Or your bagels in a bag. That's it. Yeah. Um, you guys talk. I'm muting. <laughs> no, no, but 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 back back to Indiana. I think kind of the the thing about the Indiana game is how it felt like it always it always felt like Indiana was gonna kind of make a run like Iowa did against Northwestern. Like just not a good environment. Uh, they have guys who have star power. I mean, Juwan Morgan undoubtedly has a little bit of star power. Romeo Langford, of course, has star power. We couldn't. But is uh, Romeo Langford good? 
That's a funny question. I think he's undoubtedly very good, but I also think that Joe Wieskamp could put up Langford-type numbers if he played for Indiana. So So you think that Wieskamp is better? I think there's a case to be made. I think Romeo Langford is incredibly overrated. That's fair, but I like I don't think I don't know if Wieskamp could come in and immediately be an 18 point a game guy like Langford is. But what Wieskamp can do and I, I had these stats somewhere, is Wieskamp, I, I was like, oh, could could he win freshman of the year in the Big Ten? And, like, because he, he just seems to be trending up, right? Um, yeah. But there are nine guy, nine freshmen in the Big Ten that are scoring 10 or more points, which is really kind of the, the filter that I use. And he's only sixth in scoring uh, at 11.9. A uh, handful literally are above him. But Brazdakis is at about 15, Langford at 18. Um, but what really kind of sets Wieskamp apart is he's second in three-pointers made, three-point percentage at 45.3. The only guy uh, above him, the guy above him in percentage is not above him in raw makes. And then also field goal percentage. And the only person with a higher field goal percentage than him is uh, that Georgie Benhanishvili. Yes, I nailed the name. Uh, I, was, I don't even know who that is. He's the guy who took away Player of the Week from Jordan Bohannon. So oh, from Illinois. Yeah, from Illinois. Um, and he's actually been... taken the least field goal attempts per game as any freshman in that top nine of scoring for Big Ten freshmen. So I think what's going to be a huge opportunity for Wieskamp is just as his role grows, is he able to maintain the efficiency that he has? Because if he does, then we are talking easily an all-time great Iowa basketball player, which is something we talked about a little little on the last podcast, so we don't necessarily need to rehash it. But I just think that um, he's probably a lock for uh, all freshman Big Ten, even though he's sixth in scoring and rebounding. But the efficiency does it. Um, being on a good team, I think we can all agree that I was a good team. Now that helps. Um, and really, I don't know, man. The the two locks are Bresdakis, Langford. I think one of the Illinois guys gets on, and then uh, it's kind of going to be a toss up between Bolton and for Penn State, which that doesn't seem quite right. Jalen Smith maybe for Maryland, uh, Gabe Kalsher for Minnesota, and then Luther Muhammad for Ohio State. So I think. There's a really good case to be made that Wieskamp is a lock for all freshmen and probably not going to win all Big Ten or freshman of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. Like I initially thought when I went on this fact-finding endeavor. <laughs> that's fair, though. I mean, I can I could see, I definitely see him not winning player of the year, but I think it's I could, like even just I could see him not winning it based on he plays for Iowa, you know, and you know Brad Davis and. Uh, Langford are, you know, both very, very visible for uh, Langford because he was such a highly tied recruit. And, you know, he has the stats to back it up. Um, you know, he's really good at driving to the hoop, and I think that's where he, you know, does most of his damage. But, um, you know, he has the stats offensively to back that up. And then Brad Dacus has just been playing for an, playing either a Mines Michigan team. So, you know, like he has that visibility as well. But yeah, I can, I could see that one of those two making, and I could see that your uh, point being correct. Do we know where Ben went? Ben, where are you? Oh, at? okay. You guys done talking about my dialect? Um. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, we were just talking about is Romeo Langford. Uh, I don't think Romeo Langford's overrated. overrated. I think he's good. I think he'll probably leave. I think he'll probably be a lottery pick. I think he'll actually end up being a good NBA player. I think Joe Camp is really great, too. I don't know if he'd be better than Romeo Langford in Indiana, but I'm really happy that he's on Iowa, not Indiana. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad you could sum that all up in about 10 seconds. We should just do that for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, actually. But back to... Ben's initial question about Tom Crean. Do we want to trickle back to that? Yeah, we didn't talk about Tom Crean for even a second. <laughs> it's funniest part is I'm actually wearing a Georgia Bulldog sweatshirt um, during this whole thing. 
Uh, I, 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 I looked at Georgia's record. They suck. And, like, the guy, I think, the, the, the player who was going to Georgia, I think would have gone to Georgia if I was a head coach. Um, is that kind of situation. Uh, uh, is this year one or two for Cream? This is year one for Tom. This Curry. is year one. Year one. I'm talking about Anthony right. Edwards, um, who had offers from Kentucky, Kansas, everywhere. You know, literally everywhere. And he went decided to go to Georgia. Yeah, same way, I know, maybe a guy like Joe Wieskamp decided to uh, stay to his hometown school. I don't know. I know nothing about it. I just wanted to stir the pot. No, oh, but okay. here's he, here's how you stir the pot. So the big criticism of Tom Crane as a recruiter at Indiana, mind you, he actually was a great recruiter at Indiana, brought guys in from all over the country. But the big thing they hated was how he didn't lock down the border of Indiana. So immediately he has like one full recruiting cycle. What what happens? He gets the crown jewel of his class. An (laughs) in-state guy for Georgia. So that's I don't know. Love to me, it. that's that was what was Love funny. It. It's great. Is that oh he can lock down Georgia, but he couldn't lock down Indiana. Maybe this Cream. guy just uh, recruits good. Green still got good Indiana guys. The Zellers, right? They're Indiana. Mm-hmm. But like Depot, he was uh, DC, I yeah, believe. I um, so is Thomas Bryant. Where like, I don't know. Got Will She? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Hook him. <laughs> um, I'm. I, I sorry. I don't know why I raised my hand. Um, you guys, the listeners don't know. What my uh, my horn frogs making a run right now. Um, what'd you say, Max? My horn frogs are making a run right now. This was a G-rated podcast. Um, <laughs> AP poll nonsense. Yeah, I never said that. Fuck. Uh, going into this past week, Iowa was ranked number 20 in the nation uh, in the AP poll. They they swept their schedule. They beat Indiana. They beat Northwestern. And now they're ranked number 21. Um, you guys know why? I think I know why. Um, actually, they have more. They have like double the votes they had last time. They do have more points. That is correct. I actually just read that. Um, but yeah, like thirty people tweeted it at us. Yeah. Well, I think it was just one, right. but thirty-one. I mean, on Twitter, yeah. But um, mm, I don't even know who jumped us. Uh, who did jump us? I'm looking at it right now. Probably Florida Wisconsin's State. Number twenty now. Florida State beat a top fifteen. Oh, LSU jumped us. They were they were at twenty-one. Now they're at nineteen. Uh, they beat Auburn last week. But uh, I know Villanova lost a game, and they only dropped one spot. Or no, they I mean, they went up a spot. Um, yeah, but it's Villanova, Ben. That's true. I did watch the entire album. Villanova. That was good. Um, Louisville lost a couple games. They stayed at 16. I don't know. I don't really care. I don't think it's a big deal. One, one point, one way or the other. No, it doesn't matter even a little bit. No, it really doesn't matter. Um, Nothing matters. I mean, I, I think really just the the thing that's interesting about Iowa basketball is they've stayed in this fifteen to twenty five area this whole season. This whole yeah, season, except for one week, I think, we're, we're, which yeah, has been just week, yeah. a, a complete like just blowing every expectation out of this water. The water is being a top fifteen to twenty five team every year by whatever metric you want to decide, and. I think we're starting to see some of the negative negativity circulate out of kind of the Iowa fan base right now. Granted, they do have two really good wins, even though Indiana sucks. Iowa's always had trouble at Assembly Hall. Um, and then uh, an all-time finish like we saw against Northwestern. There's It seems like the, the negativity is really out of kind of the, the fan base right now. Um but it really wasn't, even though they were in the top 25, really, this whole season. I asked... Yeah, I mean, obviously, people were just waiting for them to collapse, and we're halfway through February, or we will be by the time Iowa plays their next game. Um, and they still haven't collapsed. Huh. 
Hey. It's a race against time to collapse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, I think, what, God, what were we, I'm sorry, what were we talking about? The ranking, going down one. Okay, yeah, I asked this in Slack, and I don't think I got a definitive answer. Uh, isn't weeks spent ranked, like, an actual thing that the committee uses when determining, uh, seedings and who gets the tournament and not what have you? I can't speak to that, um... If you I can't, then I definitely can't. I wouldn't be surprised if it was something that was like a little bit of a, a thing that they looked at, just because to me it does demonstrate some measure of consistency throughout a season. Um, so, so I wouldn't be surprised if they if they used it at that. Um, but I do think kind of, I don't know if I buy it necessarily, but uh, I'll go ahead and give him credit on this one. Is John Miller's take about Iowa dropping was because they dropped in net which isn't released until the day after but also Ken Palm I think it was just really that a lot of voters they were waiting for Iowa which was the last ranked team to play and they saw Iowa down 15 and they decided to turn in their ballot early that would be my my thing because I got I understand that there are some great sports writers out there like John Bonin camp that will wait until 8.30 the next morning to turn it in by not the 9 p.m. deadline uh, to make sure they have all the information. But we know people aren't like that. So I think they just saw Iowa down 15 or like, uh, If I was suck. a voter and I, there were 10 minutes left in that game, I saw a score, I'd fucking put a fork in Iowa. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing them. I'm just like, I really won't necessarily criticize the fans that wanted to leave a little early like what what, indi- what indication was there that i was gonna turn it on i mean yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean maybe if fans leaving would have uh had players play with a little more urgency did, maybe did it fans leaving help i will win the game my call yeah i know right that should have been overreaction be one day. so many home thinking? games this season yeah that would that should have <laughs> been it but but it's fine. I get it. Like, I get the players having kind of an anti-fan attitude, you know? I'm like, super for it. They so, I, I, I get it. I like the... I love the honesty that we see from this Iowa team. Like, I mean, they're, they're total trench mentality. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, it is what it is, but... You know, just beating Rutgers, and then you probably jump a little more than you should. That's a good point. I, I do have something to say about the rankings. Um, earlier today, I read the athletics piece. So I, I read the athletic rankings every week because I love to see what stupid shit uh, Seth Davis has to say every single week because it is genuinely stupid shit most of the time. Um, and so all year he's been <laughs> like, Iowa, they. Iowa, they have no signature wins, you know, like, they're not very good, whatever. They beat Michigan, he goes, they finally got their signature win, you know, congratulations to Iowa. You know what, they're a really good team, they have no bad losses. So he ranked them. And then this week, they went 2-0, and and somebody said, Iowa 23 this week? And he says, ah, well, you see... They didn't exactly inspire any confidence when they almost lost to Northwestern. And I was just like, what What do you want? I he genuinely, wants to be like, right. What? And he's <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah, they didn't inspire not. any confidence, I guess. But, like, they did, too. Like, that was kind of the thing is, isn't this kind of a, a weird, weirdly a game that helps them in the future? Yeah. Like, maybe not immediately, but... To have that knowledge that you can win games like that in the last minute, to me, I think it's awesome. I'm super team. You have to learn clutch. You can't teach it. That's what Fran's teams definitely lacked uh, in the marble white. Well, you were born with it. It's the clutch gene. Um. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, what do you want from this team? Like, I mean, to, to your point, like... It, Undefeated. 
Undefeated, yeah. Let's let's go undefeated. That and it hasn't happened in forty years. You know why? Because teams that don't lose are freaking freaks in college basketball. If if you can go an entire college basketball season with eighteen to twenty two year olds, which I just can't even fathom. Like even streaks like Michigan State had earlier, where they won what twenty some straight Big Ten games, like like that's incredible. So I I think that part of what's lost on college basketball is just how impressive some of this other this tertiary stuff is sometimes um because it's not about the tertiary stuff like college football is about the tertiary stuff it's about the rivalry games it's about can you win your division it's about can you win your conference it really isn't about that in college basketball it's about what can you do in march and it is what it is. That's fine. But I think that focus takes away from some of the things that we've seen Iowa basketball do under Fran, um, just in general. Uh, and it takes away from some of this other stuff that, that really should matter. Uh, like winning conferences is impressive. Doing things like Michigan did earlier this season to start 20 and 0. I mean, I think we lose a little bit of that with the focus almost always on March. That's a really great point. There are no trophies in college basketball. There are no bowl games. There's no college game day. There's no Heisman. Um, I mean, there's the Heisman, but you know, that's not the Heisman. Uh, and that's that's a great point. I think. Um, I know. I just can't really agree with what you said more. Um, Max, do you have anything I'd add? Okay. Uh, I think that's about it for basketball talk, unless any either of you have anything left. Did we want to uh, talk a little bit about Buzz uh, Cut Brad? I purposefully avoided that topic, but if you want to talk about it, uh, let's go. All right, so I actually I'm I'm gonna zag here. Uh oh, I don't even Buzz know what cut, the zig was, so the zag is gonna catch me really off guard. Buzzcut Brad does not need to do these antics. What what is this? I don't. Okay, so I was completely off the radar for like the past like handful of days. What is this that everybody's talking Buzz about Brad, him for? So Can I, new Grayson. So what happened? He stuck out his foot. I mean, it's pretty obvious that this was intentional to try and trip Jordan Murphy going for a rebound. This is on top of all of the charges that he tries and draws. This is on top of just the other kind of dirty stuff that he does. He's nut punched he someone nut punched before. Somebody in the Michigan I game. That's he... what I was most mad about. The charges. Yeah, he. you're right. You're right. And nobody's talking about too. it. Um, Absolutely nobody is talking oh, people... about it, I feel like. People are talking about it. One Shining Podcast okay. talked about it last week. The nut punch um, folks, that just and, happened. And... Okay. Yeah, 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 they did. They did. Um, and, and they had just had him on. But here's why he doesn't need to do it, is kind of the comparison that he's he, like, when he was on One Shining Podcast, he was like, oh, yeah, Aaron Kraft. I totally looked up to him, which, I mean. Oh, shit, shit. Oh. That was, God damn it. It squares the take. circle. My take was he's not Grayson Allen, he's Aaron Kraft. Damn it. But here's the thing. He's a good basketball player. He shoot he's shooting 43% from 3. He's clean with the basketball, no turnovers. He's solid defensively. But he's from Minnesota. Like you don't need to flop. You don't need to flop. You just don't just play hard defense. People respect hard defense. They don't respect flopping. And when you flop more, the refs don't want to be made a fool. So they're not going to call your charges. I saw Jesse Temple for The Athletic wrote an article. He's down from 34 charges or 36 charges in 34 games. It's like 10 and 24. It's like, <laughs> because you're flopping too much, idiot. These refs watch tape. The boy who cried wolf indeed. So just go out there, shoot threes, D up, get steals. Don't D&D flop. player, that's all you need. Exactly. Yeah, you know, the charges don't make me as, when it comes to Buzzcut Brad, the charges don't make me as angry because there's always a player who does it every year. 
and it's not a big deal. The nut punch got me really angry. The Jordan Murphy thing made me livid because I kind of grew up being a Minnesota basketball fan, and I still have a really, really small part of my already tiny heart in my heart for them. And I think Jordan Murphy, <laughs> I've loved watching Jordan Murphy this year. I, I think he's sneakily. You're, um, you're really outing yourself tonight. I'm a Georgia football fan. I, I'm, I'm a Minnesota my, basketball I've always, fan. I've, 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 I've been very open about my Georgia football fandom on this podcast. Keep um, your demons to yourself, bud. I don't, I forgot what I was talking about. But you the, made the, you mad. Oh, what made you mad was Jordan Murphy sticking his uh, leg out under Jordan Murphy. Obvi- the most intentional trip I've ever seen. And then uh, another time he got, he headlocked a guy just unintentionally, like so unnecessarily during a uh, um, uh, 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 free throws during free throws. Um, he just in a in a tie up. He just got into headlock. He just does dumb shit, and it's annoying, but. I just hope we beat him next time. I guess the one thing that really frustrates me about him is it's all under the guise of quote-unquote playing basketball the right way. You look at the drivel from his teammates and coaches in the athletic piece, and it's like, oh, he plays the right way. It's like, does he? Does he? If 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 we're playing pickup, Max and Ben, and, and you set a pick and I nut-punched you, is that, a, is that the right way? No, it's not the right way. I mean, that's how you play pickup, but... No, it yeah. isn't. Well, I mean, if you not punch me the next time down, I'm going to elbow you in the mouth, but... You're right about that. You're right so about that. So fans always talk about, like, oh, you, like, we're really glad that, like, you you wish he was on your team, but you hate him if he's on, you know, since he's on the other team, such and such. Do, like, teammates, like, play with a guy like that? Like, <laughs> do they, they? do. They do. That's what, like, that's what the athletic piece was all about. It was... I know nobody's going. Nobody's gonna go on the record who's keeping it real and being like, "Nah, man, like that guy needs to stop not punching dudes." This dude sucks. (laughs) Like that's not a good look for the badge. Not repping my W. I I guess maybe the the better way to frame it is as a fan. Would you like having Buzzcut Brad as he's currently constructed on the Iowa Hawkeyes? Well, yes, yes, because yeah. he's yes, because, he's nowhere near yeah. the level of Grayson Allen or Aaron Kraft. Yeah, yeah as yes. much as I hate to yes. say it, we don't have a three and D player like him. <laughs> okay, that's fair. All right, we just have uh, we just have Joey's camp. Joe, yeah. it's I, I think that they still bring different skill sets for the most part, though. Like, they both shoot threes, but I feel like they're diverse enough that... Let's see. Let's just look this up for comparison's sake. All right, all right, all right. So Joe Wieskamp, and this is Ken Palm numbers, so it's going to be weird stuff. It's not going to be helpful. My king! My liege! No, but, oh, oh, here's something interesting. They have literally shot the exact same amount of three-pointers this season. Joe Wieskamp has made two more. Uh, Joe Wieskamp has made two more two-point field goals in, what's that, 16 less shots. He's taken 50 more free throws approximately and has a, excuse me, 25 more free throws, approximately the same percentage. I would rather have Joe Wieskamp. Well, I'm not saying oh, I wouldn't rather have Joe Wieskamp. I'd definitely yeah. rather have Joe Wieskamp. I thought that I was just adding yeah. him to the team. Oh, no. Well, I, it was more no, a comparison. Everybody yeah, no, I'd, I'd, you're right, I you're bet right. Greg Gard would rather have Joe Wieskamp. <laughs> I, hope, I, hope, I hope Davidson was like, yeah, take him over me. Real talk. Please. <laughs> He's pragmatic. Now, now, Joe Wieskamp really is someone who plays <laughs> the right way. He really does. Just gotta wait from the, he better graduate. No, flopping bullcrap. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, God forbid Joey's camp so good he gets to go pro in a year or two. Oh, we're talking about the wind. Speaking of, it right. our own. Oh, oh. Look at this transition, Gary Barda. Win, graduate, do it right. The, the transition's not as good when you point it out. <laughs> it was appointed to the college football selection committee on Friday afternoon, um, when everybody who cared was four beers deep. From the press release, 
Gary Barda announced today that he has been appointed the selection committee, blah, 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 is replacing Gene Smith to do a bunch of shit that, um, realistically, I don't think uh, it takes 13 people to do. He, part of his duties, he'll be on the college football playoff committee, which obviously selects the four teams that make the playoff. They also start ranking teams in the college football playoff for no good reason in, what, week eight of the year? Is that when they do it? Week nine? Early. Earlier than that? It's to drive a, to drive a to conversation. Drive content. That's why they do it. That's a good um, reason. It's to drive then. content and controversy. Um, he'll also help select the New Year's Day bowl games. And um, he's replacing Gene Smith, who is stepping down to put out a bunch of fires at Urban Meyer and... Um, who is it? Zach, is Zach, how is Zach Smith related to him? His nephew? His grandson? Yeah. It's Zach Smith. They're not related, They're Gene not Smith really? and Zach well, Smith. Are you sure? <laughs> no, not at all. Well, who is Zach Smith sure. related to? That he was I think a coach. He was, he was no, Zach Smith he was, was related to related to Urban Meyer's uh, oh, mentor. Oh. I think that was it. So he was like the black sheep of of whatever. The Either Smith way, family, replaces not he Gene replaces Smith the guy from Ohio State who's <laughs> going to figure out what's going on at his program. And uh, now, so now we got uh, Gary Barda in. Uh, we got the fox in the hen house. <laughs> How long are you going to take to just like say what could have been said in a sentence? What uh, What do we think about this? Uh, I've, I've heard two camps to this. The first camp is um, he could barely run the Iowa athletic department by himself um, already. And why are we giving him additional duties so that he can ignore the ones he's already not doing correctly at Iowa? And then the other camp is, hey, well, this is less time that he has to focus on the Iowa athletic department and less time that he can screw it up. Bingo. So He's yeah, not going away. No, he's not. I mean, and I don't really think that this is going to really impact his ability to do the athletic department job anyway. He's just going to watch like an Alabama game every week. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's deserved at all. D- Dr. Mann assures me that Gary Barta is a good football mind, so he'll be in a solid addition to, to that. And I, I, I say that sarcastically, but that that's, I guess, the sentiment around Barta um, is that he will be a good addition to, to this. I think taking away all, uh, taking away all the stuff that he really – screwed up which is a lot at Iowa I think getting him away from the Iowa athletic department in a day-to-day operation is probably good for for the athletic department I think that's probably a good thing um and I think from a a Big Ten perspective you know it's good that that the Big Ten's representative will be able to be in there for those conversations to try and get the Big Ten into a college football playoff. I know it's not set up that way to, to well, I guess it's not portrayed that way, that uh, these guys are actually speaking for their conference, but the optics of it, the FCC has multiple, you know, people in, in this committee um, the, the Big Ten's representative was one of the teams, AD, that had been left out the last two years. I think it's good that the Big Ten ha- has a little more, uh, I don't know, pull for, for how they're going to be ranked and how the conversation is going to be decided on them. So, I mean... <laughs> I don't think it's deserved, but I think that might be a good thing. Did it have to be a Big Ten AD or a Big Ten representative? I don't think so, but I mean, for, no, I was just for optics, I think. I is it a requirement for someone from each conference? That, that makes sense. My sen- my under- my guess, excuse me, is that, yeah, it's about ha- making sure that each Power Five conference is represented. Yeah, so then it... So then, if not Barda, who would you have said to put in as a Big Ten representative? Because there are some uh, 
dumpster Ooh, fire. That's, that's a, a good question. That's a good question. That's a great question. And like I was going through the head, going through my head of everybody in the Big Ten. Like everyone sucks. Um, Nebraska Moose, the guy's too new, I think, uh, in the Big Ten to be on there. Mm-hmm. He's got something to be dealing with yeah, now, anyway. That's, that's a different conversation. Yeah, that's for uh, Minnesota, day. in my opinion, uh, um, is the the, the, the worst can't. run athletic department in the entire country. That's not Baylor. Uh, well, their AD resigned recently too after the whole other thing, two, didn't he? Years ago. No, well, I mean That's it's still pretty still recent. recent. Michigan enough. State, absolutely not. <coughs> no. Rutgers, absolutely not. No. Uh, Maryland, Maryland, absolutely Maryland, not. No. no. Uh, yeah. Indiana, I don't know anything about the Indiana's AD situation. My basketball school. My guess was Purdue. I think he hired Archie Miller. Would be so. the best. Uh, whoever their AD is. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been at Purdue that long, but he was at Georgia Tech for, for a while. The guy really gets it in a way that uh, Morgan Burke did not. I, his name isn't coming to me, but um, that would be – that's a, that's a good idea. Um, but, yeah, like if not Alvar- Bartik, who? Alvarez is, was already is, on it. He was on the inaugural committee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, Illinois' AD is newish. No, Northwestern yeah, no doesn't play sports. So honestly, like, there you like go. That's, it's a that's really it. like it's a, Michigan, Michigan maybe, yeah, that'd be good. But I think they they don't want to go from Ohio State to Michigan. I think probably for optics. Um, it really is the it's a confederacy of dunces. This entire <laughs> <laughs> this entire conference, it's like hilarious. Yeah, no, that was my only thought. Was I was I don't know for sure, but I was like, well, I'm guessing it had to be an, a Big Ten athletic director or representative. And when I thought about it. I was like, well, I, I can kind of see how Bart got this position now. Everybody sucks. Yeah, no, that that's a, a great point because you see kind of the past members, and there are three of them with Big Ten ties: uh, Tom Osborne, tertiary Big Ten ties, right? Um, yeah. But his spot then went to Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr's spot went to Chris Howard, who is Robert Morris. Lloyd Carr sat in the so seat? That, completely random. Yeah, yeah. And then Barry Alvarez was on the inaugural one, I think. And yeah, his he went was. to Gene Smith. So, Lloyd Carr is a lot younger than I yeah, thought. Yeah, it, it really kind of. I thought yeah. it was like late 80s. Okay, keep going. But no, I mean, it, it just makes sense that it would be, um, that would be Barta, the way that Max framed it. So, Max, you uh, you solved the mystery there. Nicely yeah, done. I mean, he hasn't been good, but like, in the, in the way that some of these other programs have been, you know, run, and by that I mean um, rape problems and deaths and all, all sorts of garbage yeah. like that, Barta's done a fine-ish job in it's, comparison. Well, by that. in comparison, twelve years ago—that's the oh, yeah. other thing. Yeah, we're not Michigan State. But yay! Oh yeah. Oof. Oof. Uh, yeah. That's the way to yeah. Um. <laughs> Do we have anything else to uh, add? That's this all I had written down for. Um, this all right. Cool. Podcast. So. Well, then, in that case, really quickly, Ben, tell us about your uh, quarter life, whatever it is, life uh, crisis. I don't have one. I mean, I'm just, I'm just working through my Netflix queue, uh, going right now. Watch a lot of good TV lately, and um, you know, man, it's tough out here being a millennial blogger in Chicago. Um, wear Warby Parker glasses, have a beard I don't keep well. Lovecraft beard, it's tough. Not getting enough. Not what about your dating profile? On these, um, we're not talking about this. What do, what do you use? Do you use Hinge? Do you use Bumble, Tinder? Do you use all three? I don't three? discriminate. I use all three. And so all, all three? three, I mean, are, are failing miserably at their jobs. Hey, 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 don't sleep on OkCupid. That is uh, how this one I, um, got married. Ooh. Do you have to pay for that? I don't think I did. Alright. <laughs> uh, I hope my fiance's parents don't listen to this because they don't know this yet. We definitely met on Tinder. Oh! I didn't know that. <laughs> well, that's great. I went to a hinge wedding um, last summer. 
We're millennials God. are the worst, man. But we're the best. We're, we're gonna lose so many I listeners remember, just because of these few revelations. In, in something I wrote, it might have been an overreaction Monday a while ago. I talked about Bumble, and a commenter said, asked what like I wish I knew what Bumble was. <laughs> and I said, No, you don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. So there's a very good chance that they're just that they just gloss over this. Some of them. Yeah, man. But here's always the way that I've framed online dating, especially like as it's gone mainstream, is that for both parties, it allows people to do more research on prospective partners in a way that, hey, if you meet someone at a bar, you don't know what they're like. You just don't. Yeah, I do. They're out and they're at a bar. They're drunk. They are drinking yeah, at a bar I am at. That is two things we already have com- all have in common. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Location and alcohol. Perfect. <laughs> all right. I think that's a good way to wind this one down. Yeah, let's... Uh... That's, uh, let's I am here. Ben oh, Ross, uh... the uh, doctor of love no, you're not. in Chicago. Uh, on my left is Max Brecky. <laughs> The uh, what's the title here, Max? The managing editor of Black Gold Pants. The connoisseur of the blog, and uh, the already mm. self-ascribed Ken Palm King, Harrison Star. That's it for tonight. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Yeah, whatever. <laughs>